Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Beef Upfront podcast here on PickSwap Media. This is your host, Ryan Coyle, as always, joined by Joe Kometz, and as well as our new special guest this week, Mr. Sean Hoy, for the weekly college basketball show, uh, previewing our top our top 10 games of the college basketball slate this upcoming weekend. So good to have the fellows on with us today. Uh, welcome back, Joe. Welcome for the first time, Sean. How are we, guys? Fantastic. Right roll. Great. Happy to be here. All right, so uh, before we get into this week's slate, we will just quickly recap last week. Not the strongest week from Joseph and I. I went 6-4 and four straight up, 14-16 and 16 overall. Joe, you went 8-2 and two straight up, pretty good there, 16-14 overall. But our winner of the week last week was Tony, our special guest last week. He went 6-4 and four straight up, but 18-12 and 12 overall. So pressure's on Sean to carry on the legacy of the, the new guest winner. Uh, but before we get into this week's games, we'll do some bracketology, as always, the blind resume game. All right, fellas, two teams here. Team one, they are 17-5, and five, ranked 42nd in the net, 37 in Kempom. They're 1-2 and two in quad one, 5-3 quad two, 5-0 and oh quad three, 6-0 and oh quad four. Team two, 13-9, 25th in the net, 19 in Kempom. Three and nine in quad one, but three and zero quad two, one and zero quad three, six and zero quad four. So, um, Sean, if you had to pick one of these two teams to make the tournament, who would you be taking? Is Team One Boise? No. Oh. Can you give me Team Close. Two again? Team Two again is thirteen and nine, twenty-five in the net, nineteen in Ken Palm. Three and nine quad one, so their only losses are quad one. Three and zero quad two, one and zero quad three, six and zero quad four. I, I think I take team one. Joe, I, I do have, think I have a guess on team two too, but I'll let you I, know. I think I know what team two is, but I would have to go team one just because of the overall record because they both were good, you know, quad four and quad three. But you know, team one only having three quad one opportunities definitely says something. But I'll go team one. Who do you think team one is? Ohio is? State team two? I think Oklahoma's team two. No, it's mm. West Virginia. Oh, wow. Really? Yep. All of their losses are in quad one, which is pretty crazy. But team one is Memphis. Oh, yeah. They're right there. <laughs> yeah, so, that makes sense. They'll probably get the benefit of the doubt because of Penny and like the name on their jersey and all that. But both of those teams are, as of yesterday, in Lenardi's field, uh, both in the last four buys as well. So mm-hmm. Memphis doesn't really have many big games coming up. I believe they still have Temple and Houston are probably their two biggest games, like conference-wise, still on the schedule. But then West Virginia, as we know in the Big 12, they still have plenty of opportunities. So we could look back and they could be 3-15 and 15 in quad one at the end of the day, but still might, might have a chance at, at the tournament if things kind of shake their way, even with – the amount of losses they have, they could be like a 13, 14 loss team and maybe even sneak their way into the field. So pretty, two pretty tough. contrasting teams. Yeah. Big 12 is tough. Uh, we got plenty of big 12 games on the slate, but to start it off, we are in Friday night with one of the teams you guessed, Sean, Boise state uh, sitting at 18 and five travels to number 22, San Diego state, who's 17 and five. Nine o'clock tip on FS1. Our projected score here from Haslam Metrics has it as 70 to 66 San Diego State. So San Diego State minus three and a half over under 135 and a half. Sean, why don't you start us off with your thoughts on this game? A big bounce back spot for San Diego State. They're real bad loss in Nevada. Um, I mean, Nevada is 
a tournament team as of now. Um, but I don't know. That's not, that's not a great loss for them. Um, Boise struggled on the road against Air Force, who has been very bad. So, I mean, I see them struggling again on the road here, too. I mean, I think that San Diego State team is really solid. They have a good defense. Um, Boise kind of lives and dies from the three, and San Diego State can shut that down. Um, so I like them 70-63, covering that three and a half, and I have the under as well. Joe? Yeah, um, I completely agree, Sean. Um, I'm going to keep this one simple. San Diego State, 73, Boise, 68. So I'll take the three and a half as well. I'll take over. Just one of those games, you know, coming off a tough loss, like you said, at Nevada. Um, they're going to be coming home playing pissed off. Kind of feels like a no-brainer to me. Just take San Diego State. No need to really reinvent the wheel. I like San Diego State as well and to cover 68-64. Uh, so San Diego State minus three and a half under 135 and a half. Uh, but the Mountain West, this is a big kind of, I guess, stretch run for them because they are in position to maybe get four teams in the tournament with Boise, San Diego State, Nevada, and New Mexico all in shape to make the tournament as of right now. But after last year when it was Colorado State, uh, San Diego State, and Wyoming, I believe it was all of them lost the first game. And I think only the game uh, with Colorado State against Michigan. They were in control most of it, but then they lost by, I think, almost double digits at the end. Um, it would be big if they got four teams in, but if they have another rough showing in the tournament, that's going to be a major blow to the conference. So um, I think San Diego State is safer, safely kind of in the field right now compared to Boise State. I think this game would almost make Boise State, as long as they take care of business on the stretch, a lock. But uh, I, I like San Diego State to win here, bounce back at home. It's really hard to win on the road in this league, in all leagues in college basketball, but the Mountain West has a lot of home court, good home court advantages. So I'll go San Diego State here as well, so clean sweep for us there. We transition to Saturday now, a big-time game in the ACC with number six, Virginia, who's sitting at 17-3. and three. I feel like they're flying under the radar despite being ranked so high as of right now. Uh, but they're at Virginia Tech, who's 13-9. and nine. 12 o'clock tip on ESPN2. Projected score here is UVA 66, Virginia Tech 63. So UVA minus 2.5, over under 128.5. Joe, why don't you start us off with this one? Uh, I'm going Virginia 62, Virginia Tech 55. So I'll take a minus 2.5 and, and I'll take the under. I think when I was talking about Virginia, I say I always take the under. I, my comments reply that they've gone over like more than half their games this season. Yeah, weird. Yeah, I'll still take the under forever with Virginia. I'll never. Um, I don't. This Virginia Tech team is just not that good to me. I know they had a big win against Duke the other night, and I will say Castle Coliseum. When you know when they got a big game, they do show up, and it is a real tough environment to go into. But I trust Tony Bennett. I trust Virginia. Kihei Clark. I feel like has been there since I was in high school. Since we were all in high school, I feel like he's been there forever. Um. And Virginia Coil, I think, are definitely going under the radar because technically they're still in second place in the ACC. Clemson, who we're going to get to in a little bit, is still in first. And the ACC being down definitely doesn't help them either, but they're a team. They're going to be like that three seed that no one's going to be talking about that the people will pick as like their sleeper Final Four team that'll probably get outgunned in like the second round by like a six seed Florida Atlantic if they keep going the way they're going. But um Virginia, I'm not, not going to pick against them here because this Virginia Tech team is just not that good. I'm going to take Vatech actually at home here, 70 to 65. Uh, so Vatech plus two and a half over 128 and a half. Um, their students, like like you kind of said, Joe, 
for these big games, their students and their fans, they get up and they, it's always looking like a pretty cool environment there. Cause they have that, like, it looks like an end zone behind their basket where it's like the elevated stands. Mm-hmm. And then they're all like jumping off that <laughs> after the big win. Uh, this is like one of the bigger schools on the East coast, about 30,000 undergrad students. So they show up and especially against these big time rival games like Virginia, um, they've also won their last two home games against Virginia and have been playing better recently since Hunter Couture returned to the lineup. It might not be exactly reflected in the win-loss column, but they have been playing better. Um, and they're a team that, with an ACC that I think is pretty wide open, if they're able to get health, fully healthy and gain some momentum heading into the ACC tournament, they could be like a team that's like the 7 or 8 seed, but they're like a bid sealer come March and, and make a run all the way to the championship and win the ACC tournament and get into the big dance. So. I think this is uh, one of those games where if they are going to maybe make that kind of run, it has to start with like a big win like this at home. So I think that they ride some of this this home fanfare momentum and get a big time win here, seventy to sixty five. Yeah, I agree one hundred percent. I'm on the Hokies as well. Uh, kind of going against the grain here because UVA's won nine of their last ten straight up, and Virginia Tech's only won two of the last ten. Well, it's going to be slow, muck it up type game, um, and I kind of like the home team in those types. Uh, the home team has also won and covered the last four in these matchups and the under hitting in four of the last five. So I am going to take the under with 64-61 Virginia Tech. Um, I'm just going to stick with the trends, and I'm going to ride the home team. Just some sharp statistics by you, Mr. Hoy. Come on, Shawnee Sharp, baby. Let's go. <laughs> All right, Big 12 now. Number eight, Kansas at 18-4. and four. At number 13, Nick McClay's. Iowa State Cyclones <laughs> at 15 and 6. 12 o'clock tip here on ESPN. Uh, projected score here actually has Iowa State winning 67 66. So Iowa State minus one and a half over under 132 and a half is a projection. Anyone with um, service off on the one? <laughs> Roll with the Cyclones. I, I hate the pick, but I feel like this, this game, Coyle, like you say, this game will tell me about the rest of the season. Loans. They're coming off of a demoralizing, backbreaking loss to Texas Tech. That game was over. I turned it off. I had the game on. I turned it off when they were up like twenty. All of a sudden, I got the alert that Texas Tech came back and won. I was, I couldn't believe it. This game is one of those games where if you know they lose to Kansas, that means they will have lost five of their last seven. And it, you know, you lose a game like that to Texas Tech. That's the one kind of gimme that Big Twelve has given you this year. Everyone else is a war. I mean, the rest of their schedule isn't going to get any easier. This is a game that they need to win if they want to, you know, kind of keep the ship afloat. They had a heartbreaking two-point loss at Kansas earlier in the year. This is the last dance for my Cyclones. I'm going to take them. Shout out Nick McClay. <laughs> Sean, what about you? I mean, I'm a huge fan of this Kansas team. Um, I have a future on them, 18-1 to one to win it all. Uh, Jalen Wilson is a top three player in the country right now. Uh, KJ Adams has only gotten better as the year is going on. And Grady Dick's a dude that can just shoot you back into a basketball game. So I think they're a really tough team to beat, even if that past couple games, that bad stretch that they had, um, I think they are going to start right in the ship. They saw that against Kentucky. You saw it against K-State. They played awesome against that K-State team. Um, the Cyclones do have the number three scoring defense in the country, but I think this Kansas team has way too much firepower while the Iowa State offense has none. Mm-hmm. Um, that just It just screams Kansas to me, and I don't think it's going to be really particularly close. I like I Kansas it, to win. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I have it at 78-66 Kansas. 
them covering that plus one and a half and going over 132 and a half. I just don't see how the Cyclones stay in this game. Yeah, I'm going against Nick's Cyclones as well. They've been they've been headed in the wrong direction. Uh, I got Kansas 70 to 65, so Kansas plus one and a half over 132 and a half. I will continue to pile on against Mr. McClay's Cyclones because Kansas is just clearly a better team. I think if you just looked at a team on paper, talent-wise, I think you can make a good argument that Iowa State is the least talented team in that conference. Um, and that's not a, a slight or anything. They're just – the Big 12 is far and away the best conference in the country this year. Um, and Iowa State is still going to be, most likely, unless they completely fall off the edge, a pretty safe tournament team, probably crank, getting like a six or seven seed, I would say, by by season's end. Um, but we've said this kind of all year. They're, they're not a very talented team, but – they're just a team that finds a way to win games, and Otzelberger is a really good coach. Um, but I think the lack of talent can only get you so far. I kind of want to relate this like to the New York Giants from the football season where they were just finding ways to win games as a less talented team. But at the end of the day, that was exposed in the playoffs. Um, and I think Kansas is a team that can expose Iowa State's talent. Don't get me wrong, this is going to be like a rocking atmosphere at this game, and I wouldn't be surprised if Iowa State came out and won in front of their home crowd. But – I just think Kansas is – they went on their little losing streak. I think all the Big 12 teams are going to have that little rough patch in the season. Kansas, I think, is back on the uptick, um, and I think that their national title good, like you, Sean, and I got them winning this game, going 2-0 against the Cyclones this year um, and inching closer to another Big 12 title. SEC now, the most fraudulent team in the country, in my opinion, number 25, Auburn. 16 and 5 at number two, Tennessee, who's 18 and 3. Two o'clock tip on ESPN. Our uh, projected score here Tennessee 71, Auburn 59. So we'll do Tennessee minus 11 and a half over under 129 and a half. We're recording this on Wednesday. Um, as of right now, Auburn, while we're playing, while we're recording, is playing against Georgia. So their record will be a little bit different headed into this matchup. But Bruce Pearl against his old school. Um, Joe, what do you think of this matchup? Um, I really hate both of these teams. Um, I'm just going to go Tennessee 8, Auburn 62. Um, so I'll take Tennessee minus 11 and a half. I'll take the over 129 and a half. Um, Tennessee's just better than Auburn, but this is, you know, Rick Barnes, Arch. I will be fading them in the tournament. It happens every year, but I'm not going to fade them in this game. This is Auburn just – it's a lot like last year. Like they don't really have – they can't really shoot the ball that well. They're kind of just – they got athletes, and, you know, they, they're more talented than the bottom half of the SEC, which is where, you know, they're going to pick up a lot of their wins. Like, they're 16-5, and five, but I wouldn't really say they're world beaters. Like, they're hanging on to the top 25 by a thread, um, and I just don't think they have the horses to keep up with Tennessee. Sean? Yeah, I agree with you, Coyle. I don't think this Auburn team is very good at all. Their most impressive win to me was against the struggling Arkansas mm -hmm. team at home, um, which isn't – doesn't say much. Um, also, not really a huge fan of this Tennessee team either, uh, but it's hard to argue against what they've done this year, especially on the defensive end, giving up less than 55 points a game. And their average, I think, win margin is plus 20, which is insane. Um, Auburn's offense is super streaky. I just think Tennessee's defense is too good. I think they shut them down pretty easily. I got it 76-58 uh, with Tennessee covering 11.5 and, and going over that 129.5. and a half. Yeah, I like Tennessee to win just just with the cover, uh, barely 70 to 58 here. So Tennessee minus 11 and a half. And I have the under 129 and a half just hitting there. 
I'm not exactly a believer in either of these teams. Um, I like what you said, Joe, where when you look at Auburn, they're going to rack up most of their wins against some of these lower-quality SEC teams. Like, I believe right now they're up double digits on Georgia, who won't be a tournament team. Um, you look at teams like Florida, South Carolina, that's where they're going to kind of rack up a lot of their SEC wins. But they're they're just far less talented than they were last year when they had Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler. Um, and then Tennessee, they are, they're a lot, in my eyes, like Houston, where – they're a tough team to play against. Nobody's going to want to play them just because of the amount of athletes they have out there and just the physical nature that they play. But if you get a, a hot shooting team one day in the tournament, I don't think that Tennessee has the offensive firepower to kind of compete against them. If they get matched up against a team that throws a lot of guards at you and is able to spread the floor and shoot the three ball well, they could be a, a quick exit once again from the tournament. They're just one of those teams where I won't, I guess, bet on them or, or put – put them going very far until they prove me otherwise. And they just haven't been able to do that yet. Maybe this is year they break through sitting here at 18 and three on February 1st. But I do think that they win this game against an Auburn team, Auburn team that I'm less of a fan of, but uh, long-term we kind of talk about it and touch on it every week. Joe, just not a, a huge fan of this team long-term. Uh, transitioning over to the ACC now, number 23, Miami at 17 and five at number 20, Clemson. 18 and 5, 3 o'clock tip ACC network. Projected score here has Clemson winning at home 74 73. So we'll do Clemson minus one and a half over under 146 and a half. Uh, I'll start off on this one. I'll take Miami to win outright here on the road 78 73. So plus one and a half over 146 and a half. Pretty simple for me. I just trust Miami's guard play. That was my reason for picking them last week against Pitt. Came back to bite me a little bit, but this Pitt team I think is a little bit better than getting credit for. This is a Miami team experienced group, a lot of guards who have played in big games. And Clemson might actually miss around or mess around and miss the tournament this year. They're sitting at 18 and five and first place in the ACC, but the metrics are not in their favor at all. If they go on a little bit of a losing streak here and they don't really, I guess, finish the season strong, they're, they're definitely going to be a bubble team. Um, they have losses to South Carolina, Loyal Chicago, and Boston College now the other night. Those are three really bad losses. Two of them are quad four. I think Boston College is a quad three loss. So this is a Clemson team that needs to start taking care of some business more after starting out super hot, haven't been playing that well in recent weeks. Um, I think Miami trips them up at home here and gets the outright win. Yeah, I agree. I have Miami as well. When this game 70-75, covering that one and a half and going over 146 and a half. Clemson's undefeated as a home team this year. Um, I don't think it means much in this ACC. This ACC is not good. Clemson was projected 11th, and they're sitting at the top of the table. Um, Miami's holding on that four spot. Um, but I think they come in and get this win. I think it's going to be tight, but I think they're going to get this done. Um, I think Isaiah Wong is just has too much firepower against a Clemson team that I don't think is very good. So I'm going to take them. I'm going to take the points, and I'm having them win outright. Yeah, um, I'm going to take Miami as well. Clean sweep across the board. Clemson's best ACC win is a one-point win at Pitt. And, you know, like I know last week, Coyle, we touched on, you know, I'm kind of glad to see Pitt back in the tournament conversation. But it still doesn't mean that they're an elite My team this Pitt year. Panthers, baby. Or Pitt Panthers, yes, sir. Um, outside of and I think, in all honesty, probably the second-best team in the ACC. They might not end up getting that two-seed come tournament time. But um, Miami has the guard play that, you know, will help them come tournament time. Like, March, just like they did last year. 
Um, I just think they're better than Clemson. I think this is going to be a Clemson team, Sean, to kind of you know go off what you said. That's going to kind of come back down to earth these next couple of weeks. And it is crazy to say, Coyle, that at eighteen and five they could miss the tournament, depending on how they you know perform yeah, the rest of the way. But I, but like, I mean, you, if they do lose these next couple of games, there's definitely going to be an argument. Like, would Clemson be a lock? So it's going to be interesting to see uh, the rest of the way. Yeah, one second here while I pull up Clemson's metrics. They yeah, are that Loyola six, Chicago loss is huge for them. Yeah, and they're six they're sixty-two in the net right now. Um, to give you a perspective of a, a couple teams like under them, North Texas, Texas Tech, UCF, like Wake Forest down there. That was even Wisconsin's. Yikes, Wisconsin's seventy-fifth in the net. They're sitting at twelve and eight. They've really fallen off. And then when you look at Ken Palm, too, I know that they factor that in a lot. Clemson's 67. So, like, if they're really going to value these metrics and at least make that, I guess, as, like, a tournament talking point going forward, like, when they say, all right, why did this team make it or why didn't this team make it? And Clemson has these poor metrics and not really many, like, huge wins, just a, a nice volume of wins. I feel like that's, those are kind of, like, oh, oblivious, I guess maybe is the word. Just you can't say say you're emphasizing one thing and then a team just because they have a lot of wins not not reflecting that in their metrics at all. So it's uh something I think that certainly we're gonna have to watch them. But being able to get like this would be a huge win for them, a quad one win against a Miami team that's really good. Yeah, there's not many ACC big wins out there mm-hmm. for a conference that's been so bad. Um this would be a massive win for them. And then with the other thing like we're going to talk about this game in a little bit, but like the Duke UNC game, when I go to pick the games of the week, I always look at like the games on the top 25 schedule. Right. And then I didn't even see it on there this week. So I was like with Duke and UNC, not even at their, their peak right now, that's another thing, I guess that takes a hit for, for the ACC. Having trouble there. Six thirty tip on that. Dude, game. I'm going to lose my mind with this Wi-Fi. Yeah. I'm starting yeah. to cut you. Pull it together, off. dude. Come on. Yeah. I was going to say before I cut out, the fact that, Cole, I believe you said Texas Tech was, what, one spot below them in the net? Mm-hmm. Texas Tech is the last place team in the Big 12. Yeah, that just goes nice. to show you, like, the difference in quality between the ACC and, the you know, some other power conferences right now. Um, definitely not a believer in Clemson long term. I still think they'll be able to sneak in. Um, but it's going to be tough because, like you guys were saying, there's not a lot of – you know, besides this Miami game, they have, whole, like – and you know Virginia, they don't really have a lot of winnable games that would count as quality wins. Like, there's just not a lot of meat left on the bone in the schedule. Where if they, you know they lose their next couple of games, like you said, they could be you know sitting in a be the one seed in the NIT, have a great be a great NIT team, but not a tournament team. Yeah, that would be pretty insane for how long that they've kind of been atop of the ACC. Yeah. Uh, but we'll transition now to the Big Ten. This is a game I'm actually looking forward to the most this weekend. Not the best record, but I think this is going to be an awesome game back and forth. That's number one, Purdue at 21-1. and one. They're playing Penn State as we speak right now. Um, they're going to Bloomington to play number 21, Indiana, 15-7. and seven. Huge rivalry game here, 4 o'clock tip ESPN. Purdue is projected to win this one 72 69. So we'll go Purdue minus two and a half over under 140 and a half. Uh, Sean, why don't you start us off with your pick here? I hate Purdue basketball. <laughs> that doesn't say that much. I hate them. I don't like Zach Eady. I don't like Fletcher Lawyer. I don't like Braden Smith's dumb knee high socks. <laughs> I don't know what, e- 
what Ethan Morton does. He just runs around. I, I don't like them. And that's not changing this weekend. Um, taking the Hoosiers, 72-71. Give me the plus two and a half and that over 140 and a half. Um, Indiana's been red hot over the past two weeks till last night where they lose to Maryland, which is, you know, a big look-ahead spot for them. And I think a lot of them are looking ahead to this Purdue game. Um, great matchup of big men, Edie and Trace Jackson Davis, uh, both playing at All-American levels. But, like, and honestly, Purdue has dominated this matchup. I think they've won 13 out of the last 15. Um, which is tough for Indiana, but the middle of that Big Ten is super tight, and Indiana's right in the middle of it. This would be a massive win for them, and I th- I'm going to pick them. I'm going to take the court storm at Assembly Hall. Joe? Yeah, I mean, it is crazy, Sean, that you say that. Like, Indiana, according to ESPN at least, is seventh in the Big Ten right now, but they're a game out of second place. So right. this is yeah, a massive Yeah. This is going to be a massive opportunity against their biggest rival. I, I like I don't know. I think Edie has just been so dominant this year. I do think they're you know, Purdue is due for like a letdown, but I don't know if you can say it's going to be a letdown against your rival. It's going to be tough, definitely for sure. But I'm going to take Purdue here, even though I really hate this pick. A lot of picks are making me uncomfortable this week, so I'm going to mm-hmm. go Purdue 83, Indiana 77. I'll take Purdue minus two and a half. I'll take the over 140 and a half, but I really don't like the pick, and I wouldn't be shocked if if Purdue loses this game by like ten points. I'll roll with Indiana as well, Sean. Seventy-five, seventy-two. So give me the Hoosiers plus two and a half in the over hitting there. Um, a lot of times when when you're in these type of big games, these rivalry type games, I think you got have to give the benefit of the doubt to the home team. So that's one of the major reasons I'm taking Indiana. I think these two are the two front runners for National Player of the Year, unless Ed kind of really stumbles down the stretch and. Trace continues to play at the superstar level that he's been playing. Maybe he'll be able to catch him, but it's going to be coming down to these two, I think, at the end, probably with Edie coming out on top. But I think it it could be close, especially if Jackson Davis is eligible or, excuse me, eligible, able to outplay Zach Edie in this game. Um, It should be an awesome battle, though. Uh, Like you said, Sean, I I was really surprised to hear that stat. 13 in the last 15 have gone to Mm -hmm. Purdue, but – Purdue's been a much better, I guess, more consistent team, but I'm just surprised that Indiana hasn't been able to snatch up a few of these games at home. But Indiana has been playing a lot better. That loss at Maryland, like you said, might have been a look-ahead spot, but going to Maryland has never been an easy game either. I think, like you said, Joe, Purdue's due for a slip-up as well. They're known to do that over these past few years, um, but their only loss this year is a one-point loss to a Rutgers team that everyone knows is a, as, as tough as a team that you'll you'll have to play. So. Wouldn't be surprising to see Purdue go in here and win convincingly either, but I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to the home team. I think Indiana gets a, a big, big-time win here, um, and we could maybe even see them finishing up like around like a four or five seed if they continue to play the way that they have over these last few weeks. Uh, another huge game, this one in the Big 12 now, two teams that are competing at the top there <laughs> for the title. Uh, number 10, Texas at 18 and four, going to number seven, Kansas State, who's 18 and four as well in the Octagon of Doom. Four o'clock on ESPN2, actually. That's not a Big 12. Hey, not an ESPN Plus. Plus. Let's go. Oh, he got a projected score here. Texas actually winning this one on the road, 75 74. So we'll set it at Texas minus one and a half, over under 148 and a half. Joe, what do you like in this game? I like Texas. Uh, 77 to 73. So I'll take Texas, um, the minus one and a half, I'll take the over 
148 and a half as well. Another, you know, the Big 12, like we've already been saying, is just a gauntlet. Kansas State is the seventh ranked team in the country, but they'd currently be the five seed in the Big 12 tournament. They're a game behind Texas, who's in first right now. So there could potentially, by the end of the weekend, if things break right, be a five-way tie for first place in the Big 12. This conference is just an absolute war. I love it. Kansas State's also in the middle of a really tough stretch. I mean, Mm -hmm. you had Kansas, you had Baylor. um, The Lake Wi-Fi has been terrible. I had their schedule pulled up a minute ago, but it's completely blank. You had the SEC Challenge game against Florida, which was a huge emotional game for Keontae Johnson. Not really a tough team, but still like a really important game. You know, it's gonna, you know, you're gonna go through these ups and downs in your season, and it's tough that, you know, they're just in such a deep stretch. Like they, you know, they couldn't catch a break with getting like a Texas Tech right now. So I think that's what this team really needs. Texas is, you know, coming out strong since the Chris Beard stuff. They've looked really impressive. I'm actually surprised. I was expecting them to kind of fall off a little bit, um, but they've stuck together, and uh, I'm having them winning this game by four. I'm winning by four as well, so covering one and a half, under 148 and a half. Um, As you said, Joe, with Kansas State having uh, a bit of a rough schedule here, I think we're going to see that with – if it hasn't happened to you yet, it's going to happen at some point to every Big 12 team. Um, We saw Kansas had that three-game losing streak. We saw Baylor have that lull. Iowa State might be in it now. Kansas State might be in it. Uh, TCU without Mike Miles, they could maybe go on a little bit of a lull. It's so it's so tough every single night. Like even Texas Tech, like you said that they could use a game against a Texas Tech, but like imagine saying that like this time last year. Just yeah. and Texas Tech wouldn't surprise me if they get one of these big teams at home knocks them off. I mean they they did come back and beat the Cyclones the other night, but it, it's just such such a crazy league this year. Uh, but I do like Texas to go on the road here. I think Kansas State. I'm not going to say it's coming back down to earth. They're still sitting at 18 and four, but this was a team that was projected to finish last in the conference this year. Um, still, uh, they have a, a very good team. I wouldn't want to play them come March, but I think Texas is just a superior team than them. Uh, and they go out and squeak out a, a win on the road here. Uh, but before you get into your pick, Sean, as we were just talking about Purdue, um, they're beating up on Penn State right now, but their one guard, Mason Gillis, has eight three-pointers tonight and there's still 13 minutes left to go in the game. He's been there for like 10 years, Mason Gillis. He's been there for forever. He's That's been there another, for – It's one of those things where I feel like Purdue is one of those schools that has guys, unless you're Jaden Ivey, that are there for like four or five yeah. years. Yeah. Well, the Lawyer and Smith will be there for forever. In Hartford? What? Was he on the roster back our freshman year? We were at that game, the Nova-Purdue game in Hartford? Uh, it says he's, he was there in 2020. Carson Edwards was the one who lit us up in the Villanova-Purdue game. Yeah. I know it was Carson Edwards, but like Sean said, I feel like he's been there like that long. It's crazy. Yeah, they just have a bunch of white dudes that kind of look the same out there pucking up three. So. Yeah, Lawyer and Smith will be there for the next five years. <laughs> yeah. We won't get enough of those two. Yeah. Um, but Okay, back to this game. I have Texas winning by five um, and going over 148 and a half. Um, I think K-State's one of the, been one of the most shocking teams in the country this year. And Jerome Tang is the clear-cut coach of the year. I don't see how anyone else wins that. Go Taking a team that was projected 12th or last in the Big 12 and taking them all the way up to number seven in the country is super impressive. Uh, first game between these two was a thriller. K-State ended up winning. I think it's going to be another up-and-down game. But this is a, a big game for Texas, I think, and I think they're a little bit better. So I'm going to take them on the road. I don't love it. 
but I do think they'll get the job done. I think it's also um, kind of interesting that Texas is coming into that game as a favorite as well. That yeah. kind of gives me a little bit of a, I guess, inkling that they that Vegas really likes them to, to win that game as well. So uh, that, that one should be really fun. But this one is one of the top 10 games, I guess, on the calendar each, each and every year for the college basketball fan. Not ranked weird. Either of these teams not being ranked is really weird to see. But UNC at Duke, 630 on ESPN. First game without Coach K in it since God knows how long. Projected score has Duke winning 73-68. So Duke minus four and a half and over under 140 and a half. Joe, uh, give us your take on this one. Duke or UNC? I'm going UNC here, 78-71 for the simple reason. This is UNC's rivalry now. They beat Duke in the final four. They beat Duke in Coach K's last game at Cameron Indoor. And I want to go the revenge factor, but uh, just watching this Duke team with John Shire, it feels like, you know, he's in a little bit over his head, at least this year. I'm not saying that's going to be a thing, you know, a trend for however long he's at Duke, but at least this year, there's definitely a learning curve. You know, the old Duke wouldn't only beat Wake Forest by two points last night or two nights ago, whenever they played. This Duke team is currently sitting at seventh place in the ACC. They, and they don't have a number next to them. This isn't like the old ACC where it was stacked. The ACC isn't that good. Duke is 16-6. and six. They're undefeated this season at Cameron Indoor. But, I mean, UNC isn't scared of Cameron Indoor. We know that for a fact. And they just have so much experience. All the guys from last year coming back. I feel like Baycott is going to have a double-double. Like, I could see Baycott having, like, 24 boards. 24 boards and, like, 12 points. I could just see Baycott dominating this game. So I'm going to take UNC all the way. And also, I hate Duke, so that's definitely a factor in why I'm picking UNC. Shawnee? Um, oh, man, like you said, there's not as much hype going into this game as in years past, but it is one of the greatest rivalries in sports. Uh, Duke's offense is starting to look better the past couple games. Filipowski's been shooting the ball well, and Roach had a great night last night. Uh, with the DeMar, DeRozan, like, taking these mid-range shots. I was, I was impressed. Um, I – Disagree with Joe. I think Lively will be able to handle Baycott. And Duke's one of the best rebounding teams in the country. They're going to limit UNC's second chance points. They're going to give themselves second chance points. Um, so I'm, I have them winning. Revenge the Sith Lord from Coach K. Uh, give me Duke 76, UNC 72. I do have UNC covering that four and a half and the over. But I think Duke is one of those teams that can, you know, get hot and be very scary going in tournament time. I don't think they're a great team right now, but if Filipowski keeps playing the way that he's playing, I think that it will give them a huge lift come March. I agree with you, Sean, that Duke is one of those teams that where they have the talent, and when they are playing well, they, they can be one of the top teams in the country. But I also feel like it's been one of those things that since game one, people have been saying like, all right, just give them time, kind of wait. And mm -hmm. now here we are, the calendar just turned to February. It's time to turn it on and figure it out. And Dariq Whitehead looked like he was progressing to being like the guy, the guard for them. But now he's down with a leg injury. Not sure when he's coming back. It's just there's been so many moving parts. And it's also really hurt them that Derek Lively is the number one player in the country. And he's barely been able to make a, a substantial impact this year. So it's going to be a it's going to be a huge it, I think this game means more to Duke than North Carolina, just being able to get get the win and kind of I mean, you're never going to be able to push past what what happened last year. But 
I guess, got started moving in the uh, right direction for this new era. But I like UNC to go on the road here, win outright 74-70, so plus four and a half, overhitting. Um, as I was saying a, a few minutes ago, this game almost didn't make the list just because it wasn't on the top 25 matchups, and those are the games I, I typically look at when we're picking these top 10. But this is a game that you have to throw on here. I certainly still will be tuned into it. Um, they're both having, I guess you could say, down years for the program, but they're both going to make the tournament still. Duke is out for blood, though, losing that game in the Final Four, Coach K's last game. They're out for blood, and I think they might it might be even one of those situations where they come out and they, like, try too hard off the beginning, and they're just making some, like, simple mental mistakes. And I also just think UNC is a better team, and the presence of those veterans, like you mentioned, Joe, with Baycott, Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, they've all been here. They've all played in big games. And you look at this Duke team, besides Jeremy Roach, it's all a bunch of freshmen, and then Ryan Young is well playing. It's hard to pick UNC, I think, to to go to Duke and win again. But I think, like you said, Joe, they're just not afraid of that moment, and they know that they can go in there and win. So give me UNC over Duke, but add another classic to to this rivalry. I think it's going to be a really good game back and forth. Despite neither of them being ranked, I think we're still in for a really good night. All right, uh, out to the West Coast Conference now. Number 12, Gonzaga, 18-4 and four, at number 18, St. Mary's, who is 19-4. and four. 10.30 on ESPN. Projected score here has St. Mary's 71, Gonzaga 63. So St. Mary's minus 7.5 over under 133.5. We'll see if that's the actual line when it comes out. But Gonzaga on Thursday is playing Santa Clara, and St. Mary's is playing uh, San Francisco on Thursday. So both these teams still have a game between now and Saturday night. Uh, Joe, why don't you start us off here? I'm going St. Mary's 82, Gonzaga 77. Uh, I'll still take the Zags plus seven and a half. That's a crazy number. And I'll take the over 133 and a half. I don't remember the last time Gonzaga lost a conference game to a team not named St. Mary's. I mean, the fact that they have a conference loss to Loyola Marymount is shocking to me. It proves that they're not, you know, this invincible Gonzaga like we always see. Also going to St. Mary's, I mean – it's going to be their Super Bowl like it is every year. St. Mary's undefeated in the conference right now. Um, and I just – Gonzaga pisses me off. The Gonzaga needs to get out of the West Coast Conference. They need to go to the Pac-12 or the Big 12 or the Big East. They need to move up in the world. But maybe this might actually help them not being as dominant as usual. Um, the fact that they have teams in the West Coast Conference that can challenge them might help them come March. Um, but that being said, I just hate Drew Timmy and his stupid mustache, and I hope he loses. That's all. <laughs> Sean? Uh, yeah, I think that seven-and-a-half line is crazy. I don't think it – I don't see it closing at that. I think it drops a little bit in Gonzaga's favor. Um, both these teams have been rolling. St. Mary's has won 10 in a row. Gonzaga's won 13 out of the last 14. Um, and, you know, Gonzaga's not the same team that they've been. You know, they don't have the best guard play, but – they still have Drew Timmy, and this game screams a Drew Timmy game to me, where he get drops twenty eight and eleven boards. Like this is a game that he is going to show up to. Like you said, Joe, this is their Super Bowl, and I think he will play like that, and he'll go off. I like them winning seventy two sixty three outright. I don't think it's going to be particularly close. Um, and it's I don't know. I just it, this is. Big time Drew Timmy, and I think the Zags get it done on the road. Yeah, Sean, I, I'm not really going to say much else just because I think it's 
one of those Drew Timmy games as well. Um, when's even the last time Gonzaga was in uh, – forgive me if someone said this, but when was the last time Gonzaga came into a game as an underdog in the West Coast Conference? Uh, I, I can't think off the top, top uh, of my yeah, head. Uh, but if anything, it would be a St. Mary's. Yeah, and just because these yeah. last whatever three, three, four years, they've been like the number one team so for dominant. the season. So um, seven and a half. I, I don't think there's any way is that I could see St. Mary's being at home being like a two and a half point favorite, but mm-hmm. all the computers and analytics love them. Ken Palm has them ranked as the seventh yeah. best St. Mary's as the seventh best team in the country. Um, and they're they're in possession here or they're in position here to take down Gonzaga. Uh, and win the WCC outright for the first time since 2011-2012, which is insane as well. Um, I, I'm worried, though, they, they just don't have the horses inside to contain Drew Timmy. I think he is going to take this one over. Zags win an outright 71-65, so plus 7.5 and over 133.5 there. Um, all right, that's the last game for Saturday. We go to one more game on Sunday. Number three, Houston at 20-2, and two, traveling to North Philly to play your Temple Owls at 14-9. Six o'clock Sunday night tip here on ESPN two projected score still has Houston winning 71 56. Uh, so Houston minus 14 and a half over under 126 and a half. Houston is playing Wichita State on Thursday. Temple has not played since this past Saturday, so they're going to have over a week's rest heading into this game. Uh, Sean, what are your thoughts on this matchup? I don't see Houston falling into this trap again. Uh, they're one of the best teams in the country, and they're just too well coached to drop this game to the Owls. Um, they also are limiting their teams to under 55 points a game, and Temple's offense isn't great. And they're definitely not good enough to beat this Cougars team for a second time. I'm not getting fooled in this one. Give me Houston by 10 plus. I have it at 68.57, going under that 126.5 number, but Temple covering that big 14.5 spread. Joe? Yeah, I'm going to take Houston 70, Temple 65, so I'll take uh, Temple plus the 14 and a half. I'll take the over 126 and a half. Um, I can just see this being a game where Temple has to foul late. I think they're definitely going to be in it because Temple's kind of turned a corner. But it's just weird looking at their schedule. And, Coyle, we were talking about this a little bit last week, you and I. The fact that Temple has losses to Wagner uh, on their schedule, they have a loss at home. I believe it was Maryland Eastern Shore. Um, there's like they have a loss. They have a loss to ten. Like they have a Wagner. bunch of bad losses. Yeah, Wagner. Um, they have a bunch of bad losses. But you look at them lately. They're on a four-game win streak with wins at Houston and then at UCF. I just don't see Houston, like you said, Sean, losing twice to any team in this conference. But if they, if Temple can pull it off, they'll be tied for first <laughs> in the American. They'll completely erase all bad will that they have with those two losses. Because you have a sweep against a top five team in the land, you're absolutely going to be a tournament team, or at least. And they still have a couple opportunities left, like at Memphis. They still get UCF coming to them, so they still got you know two, maybe three more games that you can really boost your resume after this one. So if they don't win this, it's going to definitely be tough for them to get in the tournament without getting that auto bid. But if they can win this game, I mean, watch out. Temple is will be red hot and the team that no one will want to play come conference tournament time. Yeah, this is one of those games where, like, unless I'm 9-0 and headed into this one on the week, like, who, who I don't really care if I get, get it wrong by picking <laughs> Temple over Houston um, and if Houston winds up winning. But if I do go out there 
you know, let's let's have some fun. Let's take Temple with the upset here, beating Houston as almost 15-point dogs. That's something that will get us a little uh, beef up front attention out there. So let's have some fun and, and take Temple, 66-63. So Temple plus 14.5, the over hitting there. Don't look now, but this team is potentially, like you were kind of saying, Joe, in, in contention to win the conference, which is pretty crazy considering Houston's been uh, arguably a top-five team in the country the entire season. Just a game back in the loss column here with Houston, but they already beat them on the road. Um, they also still have a game against Memphis coming up, which would be another big win as we talked about them, a tournament team as of right now earlier. And I think it's one of those big things, as I mentioned um in the introduction of the game, how Temple's coming into this one with like a lot of rest, super fresh legs over a week's rest. And at this, at this point in the season, that's like almost unheard of. Teams are usually playing two, three games a week. Houston's got a game on Thursday against Wichita State, and they have to travel to Philly. They're, they're not going to be coming into this one as fresh. And I think also like temp, like I've been there in, in Temple's gym where they've pulled off like some big upsets. Like when, when the fans want to go down and, and go down there, as we know with Philly sports, it, it can get pretty raucous in there. Um, that That's a big gym, too, that holds about like 10,000 people. And with no football on Sunday night, you know, not much really to do this weekend with the Super Bowl being next weekend, I could see a lot of people going to that game. I saw like a Temple uh, marketing thing with like all students getting a bunch of like free tickets and whatnot. Um, it, it's going to be, a, I think, a pretty good crowd down there. So let's have some fun. Let's take Temple with the upset. They've been playing some really good basketball recently, um, and, and let's let's just have some fun. Uh, give give me the Owls there winning outright uh, as fourteen and a half point dogs. Uh, but that'll do it for this week. Uh, I think I think that was a, a fun show, guys. It was real. I think good back and forth stuff. Um, any last second comments we want to touch on before we head out uh, and get ready to watch some games this weekend? I'm just, I'm just glad we got the kid from Rockley, John. I mean, that's all I'm glad. Oh, baby. I'm very excited. Very excited. Absolute pleasure. All right. Well, Alabama beats LSU by 45 this weekend. 45. Write it down. 45. Well, what did they beat him by okay. last time? 40? And then they beat Vandy by 56? Yes. They are a wagon. <laughs> it's insane. And then they lose to Oklahoma by 30. So Yeah, well, they're, we don't got to bring that up. But yeah. they're a wagon. <laughs> the weirdest sport in the world, but thank you everyone as always for listening. Please like subscribe. Uh, thank you everyone for tuning in. We'll talk next week.